0: he's been putting in work for so long putting a lot of work what's going on guys welcome back to putting in work episode 55 of the interview podcast on the 8-bit collective thank you to everyone joining me possibly for the second time last week's episode with colin moriarty definitely brought in a new audience it was my most popular episode by far had over a thousand downloads i'm proud to say that it charted in the business and careers itunes charts which is a first for this show, and uh, if you're one of the people that tuned into that one and subscribed, welcome back. Hope you stick around. Speaking of iTunes, the review of the week goes to Scutlet, who says, "So many great guests with great stories. Can't wait to see what's next." Thank you very much. And what's next is Gareth Collerton, the Wish Art Gallery director down in Port Fairy. Also a brilliant artist in his own right, he's created comic books. He's a talented painter. He's worked in film, even with uh, Romper Stomper, the Russell Crowe movie from the early 90s. And yeah, he's just done a bit of everything. And one of the most impressive things is that he's found a way to turn art into a career for a long period of time uh, to the point that he can you know, support his family, which is something you can't say for a lot of people that pick up art as a hobby and can't find a way to make that happen. Uh, One of the most interesting things, and probably what prodded me to get him on the show, was I really wanted to talk to him about this exhibition he did based around archaeological, historical interpretations of Star Wars. It was a concept that he came up with exploring, I suppose, historical artworks through the lens of what if Star Wars existed 6,000 years ago and how would that have manifested in the art of the time? And it was a really interesting concept that he was able to pull together with some local artists and it caught a fair bit of attention in the media. So we talk a little bit about that as well as what it takes to make a career in the arts. I hope you enjoy this interview it did take place inside the art gallery so people were wandering in and out as we were talking i had to edit around that a little it's a bit echoey but i'm sure you'll forgive that because it's a great interview from a really intelligent and interesting person it's gareth colton enjoy the show thanks again for having me in the gallery gareth absolutely welcome to be here it's great to have you here. It's yeah. nice. you get to show you what to show off the little gallery yeah and you've got a couple of pieces here. Is it? It's mostly local pieces. There's no real
1: rule to what we do. We're always on the lookout for new artists. Uh, there's usually some sort of local connection. So whether the people did live here, do live here, are married to someone from here, mm. holiday here, there'll be some reason that we've come across them. Sure. And generally within the region. So a lot of the artists have within a hundred kilometres of here.
0: Right.
1: But then there's yeah. Melbourne ones and all sorts but it's mainly about um, finding artwork that has a has a, a bit of a broad appeal so it pushes some boundaries does it gets a little bit you know wild and wacky mm. but not too uh, confronting or challenging um, because we are a, sort of a tourist destination and we, we like to appeal to families yeah yeah
0: and is your are you like the curator or the how do you it's your title here Uh, technically it's director director
1: yeah Yeah.
0: and what's the difference
1: um I guess the director is is also the business manager which is probably the larger percentage of your time when you run a small gallery on your own Mm -hmm. but obviously you still do curating so I still have to seek out the artists uh, get the artworks in hang the works do the labelling all that sort of stuff that the curator does and try to make things make sense so each room might have a bit of a theme to it because we also do antiques here, um, we have a bit of fun connecting themes across centuries, which I really enjoy. So you might find a 400-year-old wassail bowl next to an artwork, a contemporary Australian artwork about drinking
0: beer or cider. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Which is really cool. It's good. So tell me a bit about your background as an artist. I know that you've had a lot of your own exhibitions. You're obviously a very, very talented artist yourself, but let's talk about how you got into it and then moved from not just creating art but working in the gallery side of things as well I come from a generation
1: born in the mid 70s I've, I've talked to a lot of artists of my vintage and we were all sort of discouraged from being artists yeah across the board um, it wasn't seen as a viable career choice and you were told to be sensible and get a real job and you can do your art as a hobby so I've made art ever since I was uh, every, living memory um, my earliest artworks that my mother saved include a picture of me so I did a self-portrait me standing in an easel and my legs were actually made of wood so they were kind of a part easel themselves and down the bottom in that big thick blue pencil that we used to get back then I wrote in really poor spelling uh, when I grow up I will be an artist
0: Hmm. yes what do you think that the wooden legs was some kind of artistic Meaning behind it, or was it maybe an accident? Yeah, me just being wanky
1: and putting on some artistic, yeah, yeah, yeah probably. I am an artwork myself, exactly. What you were yeah, saying as a yeah. three year old, it's <laughs> got shades of Pinocchio about it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I, look, I don't know what I was thinking, it's probably drunk. It's good, <laughs> no, um, so obviously, it's always been yeah. in me. The but once you hit secondary school, uh, not so much anymore, but back then, when you hit secondary school. That's when you had to start being serious and you put, you put aside the brushes and the pencils and you stop being an art, art artist, which I find really weird looking back at it because we're encouraged, we're born artists, all of us are, and we're encouraged to be. And then, of course, as you hit your teenage years, that's, that's enough of that now. You're, you're growing up, stop, stop the nonsense, mm-hmm. do something serious. And, of course, uh, artwork is fundamental to, to our society um, and our culture. So it's incredibly important and shouldn't be regarded like that um so i was pretty much put off it um, through year seven eight nine um i got really bad marks i got d's knees in art and i had a really bad relationship with my teacher at the time um she thought i was a bit satanic i think i was a bit dark and uh why is that i just i love what you like drawing yeah i loved playing dungeons and dragons and. I loved reading science fiction and fantasy books and I was, I was drawing sort of demonic looking things right and elves and fantasy Lord of the Rings Books and, like. and that kind of thing, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah you know, nowadays it's, I think it's the most second most popular book in the world but, <laughs> but um, yeah she's she found it a bit confronting or something I don't know uh, it was a I moved to a school and found this teacher Terry sellers who was a massive influence and really encouraged me to be an artist and uh, from then on I was it's unusually busy <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances?
0: You just about predicted, couldn't you? And that inspired you to actually produce artwork that was better, I imagine? Yeah, it did. It
1: really did. Yeah, so you spent a lot more time researching and learning techniques and things. And then there was also a community arts officer then. This was the 90s now. Hmm. And community arts officers were a thing. So they, um, the councils would all employ someone to actually drive arts projects in each municipality or shire. So the arts officer encouraged me to do parades and uh, murals and that kind of thing. So from the age of about 15 onwards, I was actually getting out there a bit and doing stuff. Um, I remember going to the Pushover in Melbourne with a big big mural that I'd made, um, watching you know the Hard-ons and Frente and all these bands. um, As a result of of art, yeah, so that really changed the way I saw it, and I um,
0: pursued it. So when was it that you realised that art could be a career more than just a subject at school? Yeah,
1: so I guess the next major step because even then I knew that there were careers available in the arts so I looked at film, um, I did some work experience with a guy called Peter Stubbs who does special effects. We worked on Romper Stomper and Spotswood and some really amazing films um, but it wasn't yet clear to me that you could be an artist you know a fine artist as a career which i now know you absolutely can although i suppose it is it takes a certain level of dedication that's for sure and i think it's safe to say a long apprenticeship period (laughs) where you don't earn much money but it was actually going to london i think that really cemented in my mind that you could make this work Uh, so when i got there i worked in art galleries as a security guard and i worked at nbc the american tv station but they've got a london bureau Right, and i worked in there and i just got to meet a lot of amazing people um, a lot of my idols actually a lot of people that i really really admire and respect and it was just every day anyone, everyday
0: anyone worth name dropping <laughs> oh one of them's actually
1: one of them's actually i look back and I've kind of it's got a very different flavor about it now but i did meet um harvey weinstein okay well wow. he, he always so, you know, he told me he owed me a favour, and I always meant to call that favour in, but I think <laughs> I've missed my chance. <laughs> yeah, you may have just missed the vote. Yeah, was. I did him a favour, and I kind of regret it all. But anyway, um, <laughs> I also met Neil Gaiman. Um, I spent a day drawing with um, Dave Gibbons, who's the artist of The Watchmen. Oh, cool. Yeah, wow. so we sat in the pub one day drinking beer and drawing together. Um, so stuff like that makes it so much more tangible, so much more real and achievable, because you you see that these are just regular people and um, they don't have some sort of incredible aura about them they've just worked hard right they've just worked hard yeah. that's a big part of it yeah it's a massive part of it and that's what i do now i work really really long hours um, i had christmas day off and i had three days off at easter mm. and then my days off for the for 2017 but it, it, that's not having a soup because it's awesome work and i'm very privileged to have this kind of work i work in what i love so the delineation between what is work and what is a hobby I would enjoy doing anyway he's a mm-hmm. bit blurred
0: it's good It's yeah. a good way to be so when was it and what steps did you take that actually turned you into a professional artist rather than someone doing it as a passion or as a hobby sure so it was further study at uni to really get an
1: understanding of the concepts behind what I'm making mm-hmm. and it was also business so I actually did the nice scheme the Australian government offer so I um, when I finished uni i immediately applied for the doll on that day so i was on the doll for a day and uh, that allowed me to apply for the NICE scheme so i set up a business at the same time as um, finishing off my studies and um, opening up my first sort of gallery little, little tiny gallery in wandle that was probably the time where you have to really you make or break so you have to push through and you have to make it work or you're, you're stuffed and i think that motivator is also a really um, important driver um, the, the fear of failure mm-hmm. you know and I had children by then so I you know, had to make it work um, so I think all of that pushed pushed me to, to for it to work and then I suppose the next major event was when the culture of Warrnambool started to dissipate music venues started dying there was just nowhere to congregate there was no studios a lot of the independent galleries were shut everything just seemed. and the uni was closing down the arts courses TAFE was closing yep. down it's art. Um, centre.
0: We're talking kind of like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah.
1: it was a really awful time. So Warnable went from being one of the, you know, I think one of the best cultural centres in Australia for its size. You know, it's it hits above its weight by far per capita to yeah. any of the capital cities. You know, the amount of amazing people, via yeah, in the arts. I mean, you know, fashion designers, broadcasters, actors, um, comedians. You know, everything that's coming out of Warrnambool is amazing, and for just a small little regional yeah, centre. Definitely. Yeah, but um, that was all in danger of waning. So um, a bunch of artists got together and decided to do something about it, and began the F Project. And I think that was also, although it was all volunteer, and I still volunteer a lot of my time to those organisations. Um, it there is a kind of a, it's kind of a personal payoff in that you you meet a lot of people. You're very well um, embedded in what's going on. You uh, you just know your I guess there's an education to it and a, a connection to the scene
0: that, that's very helpful to you as well. It's interesting. So the actual artistic ability that you have, and I imagine you can only say that you've developed it through your sheer desire to make a living from it. Uh, but I, I love that you seem to have been able to develop a skill in so many different areas from like drawing comics and creating sculptures and you just did like a Star Wars exhibition of completely different mediums of art you can explain it better than me but talk a little bit about the star wars exhibition because it's so interesting but also just how you've broadened your palette of what you create okay
1: so yeah look i do get really distracted and i do get very <laughs> interested by a lot of things i'm a very curious person and i wouldn't really recommend that people do that in the current climate i think the artists to focus on one particular thing tend to be more successful sure. yeah so um because if you look at my you know, Instagram account or, or even my website, um, it's it gets a little bit confusing because you're like, "What's this going on about?" There's multiple things going on here, especially the Instagram. It's <laughs> just all like yeah, From
0: like comic books to paintings of pumpkins. You know. Yeah, paintings of pumpkins, um, <laughs> making a stop motion
1: animation. Yeah, yeah this is just like it's ridiculous. I like I'm fooling around with Arduino's at the moment and stepper motors and making little mechanical things. Okay. And I play with, my um, tear apart toys and you know just crazy amount of things in my studio. Um, and that's not really what you're supposed to do. Um, and I think it does confuse my audience, and I think it does actually count against me, I think. Right. Um, for example, if, if a curator or a director somewhere goes, oh, this is interesting, this Star Wars show, um, let's have a look at this guy, and they look me up online, they'll just go, what the hell is going on here? This is a mess. So anyway, <laughs> the Star Wars show, um, so that probably came out of curating and concept. So concept's really important in art. art Art is the place where we deliberate on ideas we discuss ideas um, we come to new conclusions we we make inventions you know it's a creative place um, creative in terms of actual physical making and in terms of thinking and it's often the the cultural leader it's where um, it's where we critically analyze things in our world discuss them together and then come to new conclusions so it's really important and Uh, I went through a a period where I was an actual curator in a public gallery and that stuff was probably more more important to me at that time than just painting in my studio for the fun of it. So the Star Wars one had some really big concepts and some really personal concepts. It was about my childhood. It was about what appealed to me, what still lingers on from my childhood in my adulthood. It was about um, history and how history is not, Written in stone. Um, as a child, that was a really big epiphany, like understanding that two plus two equals four, no matter what classroom you're in, but the history of the Middle East changes depending on what classroom you're in. yeah <laughs> So that was a really weird thing to try and get your head around as a child. Like, why does history keep changing depending on who's telling it? Some <laughs> people told me that the world was 6,000 years old, others said it's four and a half billion years old. Yeah. And I, how do you make sense of that as yeah. a child? And so that's what the show is really about. but um i do the vehicle for talking about the history and the religion and the mythology comes in the form of star wars which was a childhood you know thing that i liked um i've done other series though on australian rules football talking about the same stuff but using football as the vessel to talk about this stuff i want to go back to that football series actually yeah so it doesn't have to be science fiction or anything it just for me it just needs to relate to my time on earth and my history and i kind of use that to make sense of it in my own head so the star Wars show yeah, i went and found i just asked around asked different people you know what would you what what could you imagine if star wars had been around for the same period of time as the um, judeo-christian belief system Hmm. you know what would you so let's say Star Wars was around in Africa 4,000 years ago or in Egypt, um, what, what would they have made? What would they have focused on? Would they have focused on the Jedi or the or Yoda or Chewbacca? Or, and mm. would they have made glassware or would they have made stones? Would they have made you know, great big statues? What would they have done? And um, it's a nice little thought experiment. And people went away and made things and, and they brought their own focus into the objects they made. Some of the ones that were really amazing were a Japanese-Australian artist, Kyoko Imazu. Uh, She informed me that the Chinese terracotta warrior tradition, where they put warriors in the the tomb of the deceased, is actually also a Japanese tradition, but they use smaller ones called kanawa. And the kanawa are are small terracotta guardians that go into your tomb. So she made little Yoda hanawa. um, figurines that went into my show and then Madeline Peters made hair that was um, that referred to the, the, the hairstyles of the queens and princesses in the Star Wars movies mm-hmm. um, so there's some beautiful sort of feminine works Matt Neal had the concept of in fact it was just it came straight out I said I said what I was doing and he said oh you mean like the beginning scroll of the, the Star Wars film could have been a Latin scroll I went, that's perfect. That's exactly what <laughs> so that makes you an artist. You're an artist. Yeah. And um we went and made that, so I sourced really old vellum, so animal skin parchment. Yeah. And I, I got my mum to she's really good at calligraphy, so she did the we translated it online, and we and we wrote this um, calligraphy in Latin on the vellum, and then I did the illuminated manuscript. Mm. Was it the actual opening scroll from episode four or something? Yeah, in Latin. Yeah, it's, it's usually the giveaway piece because the show isn't meant to trick people. I don't set that, out. That's not the point of yeah. it. Um, the point is for them to start thinking about history and to think about, you know, even where religions come from. There's three thousand deities that humans believe in, and. Every person that believes in a deity believes that 2,999 of them are completely wrong, but theirs is absolutely right. You know, it's just to, to you know, provoke a little bit of thought about that kind of stuff.
0: I like the Darth Vader helmet as, <laughs> what was that one? Because I, I know, I think it was inspired in the films by the samurai helmet, and then it was kind of like flipped back on that in itself, wasn't it? It was,
1: It's. it's yeah. Because of course everything, um, you know, Aristotle pointed out that everything is inevitable based on everything that has happened before it you know you can't stop the next thing happening it's going to happen it's going to be the exact shape that is available to that thing based on everything that's happened before it and um star wars has got that huge wealth of of influence that george lucas had tapped into westerns and and samurai culture and all sorts of amazing stuff um and yeah tap tapped back into that so that was each piece is kind of a little bit different in the way it's put together that was actually my design so I drew that on paper and gave it to a carver a woodworker and he carved it um, so it's got Japanese influence samurai influence but it's also got um, kind of African it's also sort of pseudo too I don't um, tap into those things too greatly and I'm um, also aware these days it's very fraught to do that because you can be charged with um, cultural appropriation here yeah, yeah. But hopefully I'm doing it in such a way that we can talk about it without without me actually committing that crime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think you can get away with it with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Did that catch a certain amount of attention just because of the novelty factor of being attached to Star Wars? Yeah, it did.
1: Um, <laughs> on the opening night, I, in the speeches, I, I got to the point where I just went, look, I'm not just a massive Star Wars fan. <laughs> so, um a lot of people just, I don't know, when, when I did football, nobody said, oh, Gareth's a massive football fan. But when I used Star Wars, everyone's like, oh, he's a massive Star Wars fan. I'm a fan, but I'm a massive nor- but massive nerd, broadly speaking. Like, yeah. a, I'm a, a nerd of, of history and religion and science fiction and books. And, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah. And so you've talked about developing your skills and studying and all that kind of thing. What was it that got you into working as director and curating, and working at the Warner Art Gallery, working here? Because I imagine that those steady jobs in the arts are probably a lot less common to come across and they can be the difference between being able to do it as a hobby and do it as a full-time career rather than maybe a side project or I'll sell an art piece every couple of months and make a few hundred bucks.
1: Yeah, um, it's a really good question and one that I still haven't figured out for myself really I'm not sure exactly that I can pin my decision to go into the public gallery system on one event or one whim but but what you can achieve in that sector is is um, is is bigger than what perhaps you can achieve or at my my level of art anyway Um, so I was really drawn to that and I was also it was the timing I guess that was a big part of it galleries were changing from being a storage house of cultural artifacts into being something that engaged with their communities much more strongly and encouraged their communities to engage with art again so there was a bit of a, a sense when I was growing up that art was really important and um, it was like a sacred space the gallery was always very quiet and, mm. and it was you know sacred and um, and that puts most people off, of course, because you need almost to be trained and educated in order to understand what the gallery is. Yeah,
0: it's not a library. <laughs> yeah. No, it's I a know, place for people to talk and I exchange mean, ideas and that kind of thing.
1: Totally. Yeah. That's what it should be, yeah. yeah. But it had this kind of sense of something between a chapel and a library. <laughs> it was, yeah, it wasn't... I don't think it was helpful, you know, to, to art. So when that started to shift, I, I got really interested in that shift, and, and I knew that um, I had something to offer because I was of the F project and just other things, other projects I've always done for fun, like um, Draw Club, which was just an informal gathering of artists in my studio that over a few years, hundreds of artists had come through. So I just knew that I could tap into all of those people and, and that kind of zeitgeist and make something fun and engaging and thought-provoking, for one of them. It's cool.
0: So what would you say has been the hardest part of making art into your career?
1: hardest part the hardest part would be the uh, the balance i suppose would be the hardest part so you need to obviously you need to make a living and i support my two kids and so i need to earn a certain amount of money and the sometimes the artwork that i make that i really think that is interesting mm-hmm. makes no money at all so the star wars shows a good example it got a lot of attention and i and um, you know I was really chuffed to get to speak to Michael Cathcart on books and arts and it's now moving on to to Gippsland and may go on a little bit of a, a tour so and, yeah so it's really nice outcomes but in terms of money it doesn't feed my kids so that's the probably the, the toughest thing is is the balance of what you consider to be important and um, and interesting um, and fun to, a, to an extent um, and then what will. What will appeal to people <laughs> to people's wallets i suppose mm. so i've got these sort of two bits of two lines of artwork some of it's quite conservative and normal and, and broadly appealing mm. and they sell quite readily and then that supports my habit <laughs> to do yeah. some
0: stuff that's dumb <laughs> it's kind of like The one for them, one for me. Yeah, the thing that actors have to decide sometimes. It is like that, actually.
1: Well, I suppose it's much the same in any creative Mm. endeavor. Music as well. You know, the really challenging, edgy, avant-garde
0: albums aren't going to be. Yeah, you can spend a lot of time on something that makes no money. (laughs) Yeah, but that's really
1: where the interesting stuff is, and of course, Mm. ten years later, everyone's doing
0: that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you're advanced. So, what would be your advice to people that want to turn an interest in art? into a career or maybe they're trying to trying but struggling to do that already is it simply to find try and find a nine to five that works that complements that interest
1: sure you can do it that way that's um, some people say that, that you, you burn out when you do it that way when you got a nine to five that's
0: related to your field and then sure. you go home and, and you keep working I don't mind that I
1: found that to actually work quite well I didn't get burned out by that
0: hmm. um, I fact, imagine there are a lot of teachers in like art teachers that Find a way to do it in that capacity absolutely yeah and
1: um and a lot of them will say that uh, they're all everyone in that classroom is learning but they're the only ones getting paid yeah. there are different ways of doing it so some people do get the nine to five job and continue their practice in their studio on weekends and at night and that works really really well for some people um, and like i say the the lecturers and the teachers get something from their students as well and they continue to learn and that's that's really i i, I did that for a little while and that was Fantastic, but obviously not for everybody. I think some of the really important things are to keep it's like a practical business piece of advice, but to keep some files. Um, you can actually subscribe to places like um, NAVA, National Australian Visual Artists Association. You can subscribe to art prizes. You can subscribe to the Cultural Development Network. You can subscribe to I'm trying to think of all the newsletters I get sent, there's so many, and I actually keep a, a folder and digital folders. Full of calendar events of prizes that are coming up of grants that are available and i keep an eye on them and when i when i have an idea or a concept that matches with a particular prize or funding round well i, I apply for that and um and you know you, you strike out of a lot so you've also got to have probably the best bit of advice is just to stick at it because you will get knocked back all the time and it's not always personal as someone who's been an artist and a curator i really know and understand that. When you get knocked back by a gallery it's not always as personal as you feel it is it's often to do with um, factors not even to do with the actual art that's mm. going on okay. um, simply for a full program or they've run out of budget or there's so many reasons yeah. why you might not get into a prize or, a, or an exhibition and as a curator i had to turn away many 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 amazing exhibitions and artworks that i would have loved to have had but just mm. couldn't you just can't do it all and knowing that now, when I get uh, a rejection letter, that's that's a real help to me. Yeah, it's, can a, imagine. Yeah, it's a reassurance that
0: I'm, I might not be as crap as, <laughs> as I feel that yeah. day. <laughs> what about for the people who are just trying to sell their first artwork or trying to get that? You know, every couple of months they might sell a piece. Is there something to elevate yourself into the professional level?
1: Um, I think it's. Keeping an eye on this is really hard. This one because um, I look back at when I was trying to start off, and my work was terrible, <laughs> and I don't even understand what I was thinking. Like why I thought I was ready, I wasn't mm, ready. Right. Um, but how do you describe that? You know, you, you need to be ready. You, your work needs to be ready. It needs to be of the of the standard that you're pitching at. Um, so there's many many different venues catering for many many different things. Um, but if you're, I get people at, at the gallery here, just bowling into the gallery with a folio and saying, "Can I have my work in your gallery?" So they literally just come straight up to me and say that, and um, they haven't looked at my gallery. Hmm. They don't even know if if their work is going to fit in here. Um, they don't know that we're the right. They know nothing about us, but they just know that they want to get their work out there. Hmm. And I understand that drive absolutely, but um, I think you need to know what your market is, where you're aiming at what your motivation is is it just to make money is it—is it um some artists make things and never sell them refuse to sell them is that what actually maybe that's what you're actually needing to do Mm -hmm. or maybe you just want to show and not make profit out of it it's a whole other game when you have to make profit um so that's a long it's a it's a bit of a complicated (laughs) complicated world but you do need to be prepared for if it's a financial goal and you want to make a living out of this you are in for a long apprenticeship you do have to um, get a serious body of work together. Um, Now that might just be one show, which might be 10 pieces, or it might be a full body of work of of multiple shows before you start applying to galleries. Uh, If you start to apply to galleries with a little bit of this and a little bit of that, um, or here's everything I can do from drawing to lino prints to oil paintings to sculpture, it's just gonna be confusing to the gallery. You really wanna have a really solid, core group of work that, that makes sense together in the one room like any exhibition sure. yeah
0: that's good so last question for you gareth if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail what would you do if i could do anything and i wouldn't fail
1: is this the question you ask everybody yeah yeah <laughs> it's a closer yeah, yeah, yeah wow it's a ripper isn't it if i could do anything and know that i wouldn't fail what would i do um well my my ultimate goal the the thing that drives me and i'm only chipping away at it in everything i do but i want art to be i want to remind people of how important it is so if there was a simple way of doing that of Mm. reminding the whole world of how important this stuff is you know you if you imagine the world without the arts it's a very 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 different place
0: Very bleak yeah very bleak and I think one of my recent guests said he wasn't even an artist and he said that every like civilization that crumbles the arts are the first thing to go that's like, the first sign that things are coming bad
1: it's interesting isn't it yeah. and It's the same and every time in every budget here in Australia gets cut it's the arts that go first and yet you also think by the same token of all the remnants of civilizations of the past that are gone when well, what's what's the thing that's left yeah it's the arts. Yeah, that's right. It's the architecture. It's the cave paintings. Yeah. It's, it's the arts, uh, and the music. You know, that's handed down. The stories are handed down. Mm. It's not the it's not the accountant and the no. takeaway <laughs> shop and the the, the, the remains of these ancient civilizations. Yeah. It's the arts. So I find that really it's a strange paradox, isn't it? It is. First thing to go and the last thing to stay is the arts. It's <laughs> <That's>
0: good. <laughs> might, we might leave it there. Thanks for that. No worries, gentlemen. Yeah, that was good fun. Thank you for listening. That was Gareth Culleton. You can check out some of his great work at garethculleton.com. Get out to his art gallery in Port Fairy If you ever find yourself in the southwest region of Victoria, you can find everything about putting in work, including merch and previous episodes at 8 p Don't forget to leave an iTunes rating and review if you've enjoyed the episode. You can find me on Twitter at Johnny himself. And until next week, keep putting in work.